During the First World War, that wall of separation collapsed as religious pacifists were forced to put country before God and serve in the military. Thousands of young men, most of whom were religious pacifists, refused to fight during World War I. Some 500 were thrown in prison. Among them were four Hutterite men from South Dakota. From the very beginning, they had a sense that they could become martyrs, they could be killed for their faith. This is Dwayne Stoltzfus, a professor at Goshen College who's written about the experience of the Hutterites during the First World War. The Hutterites were a group of Anabaptists who believed in communal ownership of property and in nonviolence. They also believe in the strict separation of church and state. They'd been living in Russia, but fled because of military conscription. In the 1870s, President Ulysses Grant invited several hundred Hutterites to the United States and assured them that they would not have to serve in the U.S. military. They settled in South Dakota and transformed the prairie into productive farmland. But 40 years later, as the United States prepared to enter the First World War, the Hutterites suddenly found themselves in conflict with the federal government. So in spring of 1917, the three Hofer brothers, Joseph, Michael, and David, and a brother-in-law, Jacob Whipp, are called before the draft board in South Dakota. It was as though they had crossed the border into a foreign country. Stolzfus says that these men had never had to explain their religious beliefs to outsiders. Their book learning was limited, especially outside of the Bible. One imagines they struggled for words as they responded to questions about who they were and what they believed and what kind of service they were prepared to do. Then at one point, there's this crucial exchange when the question was put to them whether they were needed at home, whether their wives and children needed them there to take care of them. The men answered, honestly, no, they weren't needed at home. The community would surely make sure that everyone was well cared for, as the community always had. And with that, the four men saw slip away an opportunity to avoid military service. The Hofer brothers and Jacob Wiff were then ordered to report to Camp Lewis in Washington state. And on the day that they left, it's like the whole town gathered at the train station. There was a big celebration, grand speeches, a band playing patriotic songs. And these four men dressed in black boarded a train. Everyone else seemed to be excited. But these four, it's clear from their letters, were terrified. The four Hutterites were put into a separate compartment on the train. They barricaded the door, fearful that they'd be attacked. And sure enough, there was a knock at the door, and the Hutterites answered, and they recognized the voice of someone from their hometown. And the young man, William Danforth, at the door knocked and said, we just want to come in and talk to you. And the Hutterites at first refused. And Danforth persisted. They opened the door. And at that point, a group of other young men stormed into the room and dragged the Hutterites out one at a time, hauled them off, shaved their beards, Mm. gave them haircuts. And for them, it was a yet another sign that that they were entering into a world in which their lives might be at risk. What's interesting is that Danforth 
also wrote home to describe the same incident. And as he tells his parents about this, he jokes about what he called a, a free barbering that he and his fellow soldiers gave these Hutterite young men. And the Hutterites now, he said, were truly a part of the U.S. Army. Wow. So what happens when they get to camp? Do they express their pacifism to the commanding officers? They're given a an enlistment and recruitment form in which they're asked to put down their names, where they're from, how old they are. But at the top of the form is, is a, a phrase, statement of soldier. And the Hofer brothers and Jacob Whipf saw this form and said, we can't sign it. And the officer said, you need to sign it. If you're going to be given blankets, if you're going to be given clothing and a place to sleep, you have to sign this. And they refused. They said, we can't. We're not soldiers. You can see the officers being reasonable but frustrated. And they continue to ask them, please, you have to do this. Otherwise, we're going to have to lock you up. And after uh, some hours pass, it's determined that We have two groups of people who were talking across kingdom walls, if you will, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. And the communication is just not getting better with time. If anything, it got worse. The Hutterites were taunted for their German ethnicity and for their refusal to follow military orders. In the eyes of the military and in the hyper-patriotic climate sweeping across the country, pacifism was tantamount to treason. The four men were court-martialed after they refused to sign the soldier's statement or to put on a uniform. They were asked if their religion allowed fighting of any kind, and they responded no. And they were asked if a man was attacking or assaulting your sister or your grandmother or mother, would you fight? And when that hypothetical question was, was put to Jacob Whipf, he was clear in saying, no, I would not kill him. He said, we can't kill. That is strictly against our religion. We cannot kill anyone, including our worst enemies. So what happened to them? The Hutterites are sentenced to 20 years of hard labor at Alcatraz. Wow. And the image, it's staggering that here are these four young men who would never lift a hand to hurt anyone. And they were kept in chains and kept under watch until they arrived at Alcatraz. So at Alcatraz, you know, as much as they didn't fit in the U.S. military, I can't imagine that they fit into a prison population. What were their lives like there? At Alcatraz, they were immediately taken down into the dungeon or the basement known as the hole. They spoke about sleeping on the cold cement ground. They had a chance to put on uniforms, but they chose not to. So they slept as best they could on the wet floor with their uniforms beside them, folded neatly. So how long did they endure that? They were there for for several months, and during the time that they were in the hole, they underwent different kinds of of abuse. There were times when they were uh, struck. One of the Hutterites described receiving lashes for his unwillingness to serve in the army, and they were sometimes chained through what's known as high cuffing, where chains were wrapped around their their hands, and then they were 
pulled up high so that their their toes could barely touch the ground and soon became excruciating. On November 11, 1918, World War I ended, but the Hutterites were not released from prison. Instead, military officials transferred the four men, still in chains, to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Almost as soon as they arrived, though, it's clear that that two of the brothers, Joseph and Michael, are not doing well. They quickly go downhill and both die. There's this really powerful account, though, of family members coming from South Dakota, making the trip down, wanting to be able to see the man, knowing that uh, they are, are not doing well. And Joseph's wife, Maria, arrives in time to be able to see Joseph. Sees him that first night, leaves, comes back the next morning. And when she comes back the next morning, once again she asks to see him, and they at first refuse to allow her in. And she she persists, she needs to see her husband. When they allow her in, she approaches and sees that, uh, that he has died, that he is in a casket, and she lifts up the lid and sees that her husband, who for all these many months, refused to put on a uniform, is lying there now in his coffin, fully dressed as a U.S. soldier. To the Hutterites, Joseph and Michael Hofer were martyrs. In the eyes of the U.S. government, however, they did not die for their religious beliefs. They died of pneumonia. Dwayne Stoltzfus says that the persecution of the Hofer brothers and other religious pacifists did not go unnoticed in the halls of government. In the wars that followed, the U.S. military changed its policy toward conscientious objectors. Suddenly, there was a choice. You could serve in the military or you could serve under civilian leadership. And so during World War II, we see conscientious objectors who are smoke jumpers and serving in mental hospitals, helping to bring about reforms later on. What does the story tell us about the larger questions about the separation between church and state, do you think? As I read it, the story makes clear that we have to allow for groups like the Hutterites and Mennonites and, and Amish to, to remain true to their religious convictions, especially when those convictions cause no injury or damage to anyone else. And in doing so, we end up with a country that is, in the end, stronger for allowing that kind of uh, diversity of convictions to flourish. Dwayne Stoltzfus is a professor of communications at Goshen College and author of Pacifists in Chains, The Persecution of Hutterites During the Great War. A brief postscript. Most of the Hutterites, including the families of the Hofer brothers, moved to Canada after World War I. 